Welcome to the Soul's Way podcast. This is your host, Emily Ann Brandt. I am a proud First Nations Mohawk author, speaker, and mentor here to meet you at the intersection of personal development and decolonization. I truly believe that when we see ourselves and one another, mind, body, emotion, and most of all, soul and spirit, we can break through systematic, ancestral, and generational ways of being that we came here to disrupt and rise above. We can lean into the ways that heal our spirits. I know we can do this through honest conversations, radical responsibility, and healing together in community. Through my stories and the incredible conversations with some truly amazing guests, my hope is that you leave each episode with a more open heart and that you feel emboldened in your medicine and your voice, knowing your ripple effect matters. Our ripple effect matters. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. Emily and Brant here, of course, here to talk to you about all things where to start when it comes to decolonizing your business. I am here today to answer a question that I am hearing all the time, especially from people who just just come across me, just come across my work. They express that they know it's important to talk about decolonization and anti-racism in their business, but they're not sure where to start and they are afraid to say the wrong thing. So that is what this video is here to help you with and guide you through. Um, I have three points that I want to share all around where and how to start. And thank you so much for recognizing the importance of bringing decolonization into your business and um, centering this work because it is so, so important so that you can create communities where more people feel included, more people feel safer, and therefore harm is minimized and the transformation that your clients and your community experiences is maximized. So as mentioned, I'm going to be going through um, three points of where to start that I would like to share with you. You can also feel free to drop questions below in the chat and I'll try to monitor monitor them on my um, computer here as we are live on Facebook right now. And I will watch, I will check the questions from the replay as well. So feel free to say hello, please let me know and um, drop your questions as they come up. But let's just dive right in. So where do you start with decolonizing your business um, when you truly are afraid to say the wrong thing? You feel overwhelmed about where to start. So the first thing I would say, which is something that I think a lot of people want to step over or wish that they could skip over, but we cannot skip to the good part. The good part being you are a leader who is clear on your values you articulate your values and now you've created this beautiful diverse community filled with people from all walks of life they feel safe with you they get amazing transformation with you that's the end goal right that's the big vision but you cannot skip to the good part you cannot skip over number one sitting with the discomfort that comes up when you dig into decolonization colonization colonialism is something that is very heavy very tough to look at, to examine, privileges that we hold because of the way the systems are built. Like really it's looking at systems. It's not looking at individuals. It's looking at and dismantling systems. But looking at that and looking at people's grief and pain is not comfortable. And more so looking at ways in which you might have been 
unintentionally perpetuating and upholding these systems that cause a lot of people a lot of pain is even more uncomfortable, right? Looking at ways in which you might have been making people feel excluded or not supported or potentially harmed is super, super uncomfortable. Um, and in fact, it is what my offer the round table is pretty much all about. Those of you who have taken the round table, right? You can attest, share below. It was uncomfortable AF, right? But I'm proud to share that nearly 200 coaches have gone through the round table and have come out um, completely changed forever because of it. Because we look specifically at what are the ways colonialism shows up and creates harm in the coaching industry? What are the ways that your business might have been accidentally perpetuating these harms? What are the ways I personally have also perpetuated these harms, um, even as an indigenous person, because we all grew up in a culture of settler colonialism. We all grew up learning the same ways of doing business. We all learned from ultimately like the same few coaches, the same few leaders in this industry, all of whom are white folks. So of course we have just been regurgitating what we were caught, what we were taught, but we're now seeing that it's really, really harming a lot of people and it's time for a new way. Um, but yes, sitting with, with the discomfort is so, so important. Learning what you didn't know, unlearning, hearing, genuinely hearing and listening to people's stories who have different lived experiences than you, listening and fully hearing and witnessing people's pain, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it makes you sad, even though your manifestation teachers may be telling you that's low vibe, just you don't have to put your energy there. What you, what you focus on expands, don't go there, that's low vibe. I cannot think of anything more effective than going there and having your heart cracked open. And it reminds me of um, the Leonard Cohen song. There's a crack, uh, what it has to go. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And when we, when our hearts break for something or for, for some experiences that we're witnessing for other people, it breaks open. And I cannot think of a more magnetic way to lead your business than from a truly, genuinely open-hearted place where you're cracked wide open. And that's, that's what the round table really does for a lot of people, I think, is it cracks people's hearts and minds open. That's what my work does. And we cannot skip over this part. There's so many people talking about open-hearted leadership or leading with your heart, being heart-centered, but what does that actually mean if you are turning away from people who are hurting and you're closing your heart to that, right? Or people who have been hurting and people who are not feeling seen um, by the common kind of narrative that's in the coaching spaces and personal development spaces that really, really gloss over um, serious intergenerational and ancestral trauma and present day oppression and realities, right? Which doesn't mean, I want to clarify, it doesn't mean that we victimize and we disempower BIPOC, right? Folks of the global majority who are obviously most impacted by colonialism, by white supremacy. It doesn't mean that we have to just feel sorry for everyone who's BIPOC and everyone who's BIPOC or global majority has to stay in victim mentality and nothing's ever going to work because everything's rigged against us. But at the same time, acknowledging the very real differences of where people are starting out from and acknowledging the very real 
systemic impacts that might affect how someone even, for example, feels safe showing up or being visible or doesn't feel safe because of very real um, circumstances and things that make it not safe or um, yeah, traumas that, that we carry with us in our blood, in our bones, right? And some, some real present day examples of that would be like police brutality missing and murdered indigenous women, right? It's st statistically black and indigenous women are, um, women and two-spirit folks are statistically drastically more likely to, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but drastically it's like 10 to 12 times more likely to experience um, sexual or gender-based violence. And so being visible or um, for example, for like the sexuality, sensuality coaches out there who are like, yeah, express yourself in your full femininity, femininity and your sexuality, that might not be actually safe for an indigenous or a black client, or it might not feel safe given the very real statistics and realities that we live with, right? So it's being aware of these nuances and these identity pieces that come into play and also sitting, again, sitting with the discomfort of the pain that we're experiencing while missing our, our, our sisters, our mothers, our cousins, our aunties who, are, who are, have been murdered and missing and, and nothing is being done by the police about it, right? Or for me, it was sitting, for me, because I was bypassing my own pain and my own traumas, which was really hindering my personal development and my personal growth. Sorry, that's my Facebook pinging. Um, that's my laptop. Um, was really hindering my own growth is that I wasn't looking at my ancestral trauma and intergenerational trauma from my indigeneity because I wasn't taught to. It's not talked about in these personal development spaces, which I was a part of for a long time. I've loved this world since I was like 12. I started making vision boards and watching Oprah and reading The Secret and all of this. And they don't talk about the importance of looking at this. But yet in the coaching world, we talk about shadow work, we talk about inner child healing, we talk about trauma, but how come we're not talking about the need to heal from colonialism, from oppression? Of course, we, of course that impacts personal development, of course that impacts our growth. Obviously we need to heal from it, but the industry has been so whitewashed to just say, no, we don't talk about that here, that has nothing to do with that, that's politics, that's social justice, that's a different thing, that's not my thing. Like, of, but of course it's related. So if you're in the business of helping people improve and transform their lives in any way, whether you're a health coach, a yoga instructor, a, a manifestation coach, a spiritual coach, a business coach, it doesn't matter, a psychotherapist, I work with a lot of therapists, a lot of doctors. If you're helping a client or a patient in any way improve their lives, of course, systemic systems, right, systems, systemic systems, systemic oppression has to be taken into account. Of course, identity and intersectionalities of where people sit in the margins and where people hold more privileges, of course that's gonna come into play. We cannot bypass it. And we are at a, a tipping point in the industry where bypassing it is no longer being tolerated. And everyone is, folks are demanding leaders who know how to hold these conversations around colonialism and dismantle these oppressive systems that are harming, harming us all truly. Um, so don't you can't dis you can't bypass the discomfort of that right and if we can embrace our shadow work and looking at our own traumas and our own inner child stuff then we should be able to also look at 
the harms of colonialism. But I know you're wondering, I know you're like, okay, I'm on board, I get it, I, I get it, it's important, but where do I start? I don't know what to say, I'm scared to say the wrong thing, right? Oh, hi Kelly, hi Rose, hi Sharon, I'm just seeing now who's on. I can't see any comments, so I'll keep checking the um, my laptop just in case I don't want to miss anything. Um, so where do you start when you're like, I don't know what to say, that's what I hear all the time, like I get it, it's important, but I don't know how to articulate it and weave it in smoothly into my business, right? And the, here's the thing, here's a truth bomb for you, are you ready for it? It's not gonna be smooth. <laughs> You are in an industry where we are challenging the status quo. We're challenging what's the norm, which is to bypass and ignore very real systemic issues. So you are going to receive some pushback, especially if you have a community where you've never talked about it. No one in your community talks about it. That's not what they're used to. You might find like, yikes, who's in my community? Once you start weaving this work in, it might shock you who's actually in your community. But here's the thing is if you are a leader in any way, if you are a coach, a mentor, a speaker, a therapist, you have any kind of community, you create the culture of your community. You create the culture of your community. You are the, you set the tone. You are the leader. So you get to decide my space is one that reflects my values and I value my fellow humans enough to talk about the very harmful systems that need to be dismantled to make space for conversations around anti-racism and real reparations and reconciliation and what that looks like with indigenous peoples and what 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 it looks like to live in healthy reciprocity with our our brothers and sisters and siblings of the global majority because i love my community enough to have these difficult conversations right and you might find Oh my gosh, like some people start talking about this stuff and then they get the wildest comments and pushback. But it's like, but did you really want that person in your community? If you have folks in your community who don't value indigenous lives or lives in general other than their own, is that really the type of person you want to be working with and creating spaces with and group programs potentially with, right? So it's so important to get clear on your values and lead with those values and share those values and remember you set the tone, you create the culture. And in my program, the Decolonized Coach Community, I show you how to do this and how to create clear community boundaries and agreements and how to enforce them and make sure that your community is operating in this decolonial um, anti-racist foundation really. Rose, I'm a writer with a master's degree and I still struggle to write on this topic, but I tried this week. Yes, Rose, I'm celebrating you for that. Like just start. So that's the truth bomb is it's going to be clunky. It's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning. But here's the thing is you get to say, hey, I'm, I'm learning about this topic. It's new to me or it's new to me to speak out about it. And I'm learning and I might make mistakes and I might say the wrong thing, but I'm learning and I'm willing to I'm willing to learn as I go. I'm willing to be corrected if I misstep, but just have that humility. So I would say that's the second piece is, the first piece is sit with the discomfort and truly open your heart to the grief. Truly let yourself really listen and really hear us when we tell you about things like residential schools or missing and murdered indigenous women or just the very real grief and pain and struggles, really hear it, really feel it, allow yourself to feel it and feel the discomfort. And number two is be humble enough to acknowledge and just say, I'm, I'm just learning this and credit your teacher. You know, if, if it's me that you're learning from, I'm just learning this, 
you know, point people to your teacher. I'm learning this from Emily Ann Brandt, and this is what it's opening my eyes to, and I might get this wrong, and I might stumble, and it might be messy, but I'm trying, and I'm, I'm in this long term because it's important. Right? And that's the other thing, too, is you don't have to be the expert overnight, and you don't have to be the expert ever, period, if you, especially if you're a settler, right, of European ancestry, um, and you benefit from the systems, like just saying, you know, it's not about you being an expert and suddenly now you're gonna teach everyone about decolonization. No, it's about weaving it into what you're already doing. And you can just point people to the folks that you're learning from, whether it's me or another educator, right? So being humble enough to admit you're not the expert, you're learning, you might get it wrong and that's okay. And this is a big thing of this perfectionism which is a byproduct of colonialism and the patriarchy. This is the reason that we feel the need to be perfect, to be nice, especially those of us socialized as women, feel this pressure to be nice and get it right all the time and not rock the boat and not make anyone uncomfortable. That is so deeply programmed into us from the patriarchy because of colonialism. That is not an indigenous worldview or way of being. We actually embrace imperfection. Um, there's even um, a tradition in many cultures, I know in Métis and also some Haudenosaunee cultures, where when you're doing beadwork, you purposely weave in one wrong colored bead or one mismatched bead, and that's to show that life is imperfect and to embrace the fact that life is imperfect. Um, and I know other other indigenous cultures around the world do this too with like blanket weaving and basket weaving and stuff. They leave one wrong stitch or one wrong color to celebrate that nothing's perfect and it's not supposed to be. But this idea of perfectionism and productivity and being nice and good all stems from this really, um, this power, this need for power and control by white cisgendered colonial men really and religion was used to control um and lots of other just lots of other messaging and, and rhetoric that we've all been consuming for our whole entire life so compassion to you as you're unlearning this it's so important that we unlearn this this need to be perfect and right and good and quiet and silent and agreeable right it's so deeply ingrained in us so just acknowledge that you're learning. It might not happen overnight, but you're learning and you see the importance of talking about this stuff. That's number two. Number three is acknowledge your privilege slash, slash social location. So acknowledge where you are. I shared a resource here in this group, the Let's Decolonize Facebook group, of um, the Wheel of Privilege and Power from the Government of Canada's website. Surprisingly, there is a really good resource on there. Um, and it will show you, I suggest you print it off. I'm having my decolonized coach um, community students print it off and fill in, like color in the sections where you identify on this wheel of privilege and power. So there's a center of the wheel and the closer you are in each category to the center of the wheel, the more power you hold in that area. Therefore, um, the more you can use your voice and your platform and your life to be an advocate for those on the outside, for those on the margins in that category, right? So one of the categories is uh, like race, of course, and white is at the center, right? And then 
um, different shades and darker skin, the darkest skin being on the outside of the wheel. So that's a category where because of my light skin, I get to wield more power as somebody with light skin and therefore I'm safer when I walk around the streets, right? I'm safer if I, if I don't reveal my indigenous identity because I'm what's called white presenting. Like you wouldn't know that I'm indigenous unless I self-identify. Um, I can pass as white, so that keeps me safer in a lot of situations, right? Right. So it's something that I'm aware of that I'm I'm in the more power area on that wheel. But then there's a category which I like about this wheel. There's a category for Indigenous peoples versus settlers versus Indigenous peoples with access to their community, which is in the middle. And then there's Indigenous peoples without access to their community on the outside, which a lot of us are. We are urban, what's called urban Indigenous folks who've had to move to the city. Um, because there's more job opportunities, there's higher education, there's more food supply, things like that, but that cuts us off from our community, which cuts us off from a lot of the resources we need to be healthy and, and happy, right? And a lot of resources that are provided from the government are only provided if you're on the reserve. So I can't even take advantage of a lot of the programs on like cultural or language revitalization because you have to live on the reserve and they're only offered on the reserve. So things like that. Another category is like gender, um, sexuality, sex, um, which is different than gender, um, wealth, right? The rich is obviously in the center and poor is on the outside. There's a mental health category. It's a really great wheel, so highly recommend you check it out. And then start to get comfortable with acknowledging and identifying your unearned advantages. Where do you hold that power and how are you gonna use that power is the good thing is that that power can be shared privilege can be shared. So where do you hold power in this wheel and where, how can you wield that power to help those who are on the margins, right? And you can also identify yourself, oh, where am I on the margins or where am I, you know, a little farther away from the center of power and how might that have impacted my personal growth and development? Because I guarantee it has because the system is set up to create barriers for people who are on the outside of this wheel of power and that was because it's created by the folks who are cisgendered, white, heterosexual, male, wealthy, and they wanna keep themselves in power. So it's built that way on purpose. So highly recommend you do that. It's a really, really illuminating experience and then get used to acknowledging that um, and sharing that frequently, like weave it into, if you're gonna share a success story, um, you know, to inspire your audience, what are some of the unearned advantages that helped get you there? Right? And this is something, since I'm encouraging you so much lately to do this, that I'm also going to, um, I mean, I, I speak about it all the time, but I, I'm also gonna do a share, share a post with my, uh, with my unearned advantages and privileges as well and how I'm committed to, um, to using them because I also wanna be, I wanna be held accountable um, to using those and always be practicing using those. Sorry, I'm, lo I'm looking away a lot. I'm just pulling it up. Oh yeah, I'm just pulling it up here on Facebook in case there's other questions. Feel free to drop any questions below live or replay um, and comments. I always love hearing from you and hearing how everything is landing. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's number three is acknowledge your privilege and social location. This can be, I help clients weave it into their web, like their, their, in their bios on their website or um, yeah, when you're sharing a success story or just, just I've seen a lot of people lately just tagging me and just doing a post being like, okay, so I never talked about this and I wanna share some of the unearned advantages I've had 
that have helped me get there. And it's not to downplay your hard work. It's not to downplay your success. It doesn't mean you weren't dedicated. It doesn't mean you haven't had trauma or hurdles to overcome. It means that you acknowledge that not everyone starts out at the exact same place. And when you see where you hold privilege, privilege and power, it means you see where folks don't hold privilege and power. And therefore, you see us. If you see your privilege, that means you see me as a disabled indigenous person, right? If you're able-bodied white person. So acknowledging that, it makes people feel so safe, so seen. And really, that's all your clients want. That's all we want in a mentor is to feel seen and understood. And of course, if you can't understand us because of sharing the same lived experience, the next best thing is understanding us via learned experience, which is why it's so important to constantly be doing your learning and unlearning, right? Which yes, is uncomfortable, but absolutely necessary. We can't st skip over. So number one, start with the discomfort. Make sure you're doing your learning, unlearning, and letting the grief in, letting it crack you open, let yourself be heartbroken by this work. And, and that, that lets the light in, right? As Leonard Cohen says, that's how the light gets in. And that is what makes an open-hearted leader. Number two, acknowledge that you're learning. You might get it wrong and that's okay. And that's an act of resistance because you're saying screw perfectionism. I might get this wrong and that's okay. And it gives other people permission to do it messy and to possibly get it wrong. Of course, like not in a way if you think this could harm someone, um, you know, that's always a really big fear. But I think just acknowledging like, this is the lens I'm speaking this through. So I might get it wrong. You know, I'm learning from Emily right now or I'm learning from so-and-so right now. And this is why this work's important and why I'm committed to it and what I'm doing. Um, and what I, what I can also hear in my head is the question of like, well, I don't want to look performative. Well, it's not performative if you're not being performative. So my last point is make sure that you're actually doing the work to unlearn and learn and implement these things into your business, which if you want support with, if you want this work to be sustainable long-term without just wrecking your nervous system and trying to go it alone, I absolutely strongly, strongly, strongly recommend doing this work in community. So find a community that you resonate. We have the Decolonized Coach community where I walk you through weaving this work into every single element of your business from your client intake forms to your website, to your sales pages, to your marketing, step-by-step step, how to weave this work in at every step and eventually build trust with the global majority, which eventually leads to you being able to serve so many more clients because the global majority or BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color, we actually make up more than 80% of the global population. So it's just good business sense to do this work and to learn how to hold space for us and serve us. It's such an underserved market as well. So it's so needed. Um, so yeah, I invite you into the Decolonized Coach community if you want that help step-by-step step implementing this work and a community, which is why I added regular community calls and it shifted from a self-paced course to an ongoing community that you purchase once and you access forever. And we meet twice a month on Zoom. The community just keeps growing and growing and it's amazing. The, the way we're able to show up together in our raw vulnerability, authenticity, in our raw unlearning and learning, hold each other accountable, hold each other in love, and do this work with community care, it makes it sustainable, it makes it doable long-term. So you're not just diving into it, getting super uncomfortable, crashing your nervous system, and then you're like, I'm out, because that was wild and I can't do that. 
right? It's sustainable and it's ongoing, which is so beautiful. So Rose, how about people who think that you're misguided and overprivileged for pointing out your privilege? I've been told I'm just jumping on trend. Okay, I think that relates to what I just said about being performative. If you are genuinely doing it and you're in it for the long haul and the long term, then you know you're not being performative. You know you're not just being in a trend and make sure you're actually doing the unlearning and learning and taking actions that back it up, right? And then like, who cares? This is a question I come into all the time. What if I get called performative? What if I get called woke? What if I get told I'm just jumping on trends? Well, are you? If you're not, then don't worry about it. People call me woke all the time. I don't care. <laughs> People tell me I'm virtue signaling. I don't care. No, well, actually not all the time, but it happens. More often than not though, this like the community I'm building is incredible because I'm consistent in my values. I show up consistently and I know my values and I know my heart. So somebody who just found me that day and is like, hey, you're virtual signaling. I don't care because <laughs> I know that I'm not because I know what I'm saying matches the inside of my heart. I know what I'm saying matches the actions that I'm taking, the work that I'm doing. I know that I don't have everything figured out. I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I have so much to learn, especially about the lived experiences of those with darker, more melanin, more melanin in their skin, right? Darker skin, of course. It's about having the humility to know that there's so much we don't know, but we're still committed to the learning anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Although to be honest, it has opened up 99% positive conversation. And with that one person who questioned the trend, the uncomfortable conversation led her to thinking about this more and diving into your videos. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. More often than not, it opens a lot of positive um, conversation. And I'll leave, I'll leave you with a really inspiring story from a client who I didn't get permission to share, so I won't share their name. I'm sure they wouldn't mind, but I'll, I won't, I'll keep them anonymous. Um, they shared on our last call for DCC that after taking the round table, which is my like intro to this work, it goes, this is the discomfort, <laughs> the uncomfortable masterclass that you can't unsee or unhear or unlearn. Um, after taking that, she decided in an article where she was being featured about her success as an entrepreneur, she was like, well, it doesn't sit right with me to, to talk about my success and to not name my privileges and unearned advantages that also helped me get here. So she decided to be bold and tell the interviewee the interviewers um that and include that in her interview and she was like i got so many people reaching out to me just about that part of the article to thank me for that and so much like inspired people it made people feel seen and i have another client too in the dcc who um re redid her whole one of her signature programs redid it re-recorded it and added an audio part in just naming her privilege and, and the, the lens that she's teaching from and speaking from. And she has now attracted so many more clients of the global majority and they're reaching out to her like in tears being like, thank you, I've never seen this acknowledged and I feel so safe here and so held and seen. And that's what it does. That's what it does. It makes us feel so much safer, so much more seen. Even it doesn't matter if you're like, well, I'm gonna acknowledge the privilege, but then what? I can't fix it. I can't change it. I can't make this better with coaching. No, you can't. But acknowledging it is the healing piece. There's so much healing in the acknowledgement, which is what I started to say earlier. And then I kind of went on a tangent and I forgot. But since I acknowledged my own ancestral pain and the racism that I needed to heal from and that I'm still healing from and still dealing with, just today we had so much at work 
so much lateral violence happening that was really just like had my stomach in knots, felt so saddening. And it's stuff that I have to move through daily, right? But acknowledging it has made me a powerful freaking manifester. Like my business has just taken off. My abundance has taken off. Not just business, like life, career, house, family. Everything is, is, um, is manifesting like that since actually acknowledging this stuff and healing from this stuff and working with ancestors. Um, which also, okay, I'll, I'll, one more thing and then I'll stop ranting, which leads me to share also that I'm excited to also start talking more about manifestation and specifically money manifestation through a decolonized lens because it's so needed, it's so important. And also we need money in the hands of people that are committed to equity and justice and decolonizing. So stay tuned for more conversations on money and manifestation. It also gives me a break from this very, very heavy emotional work so it's fun for me to switch it up a bit and talk about money and manifesting, but of course I'm gonna bring the decolonized lens to it. So um, let me know if you're excited for that. And thank you for tuning in live or replay. I appreciate your energy and your time and you wanting to do this work. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll leave it there for now and I'll talk to you soon. Bye everyone. Thank you again so, so much for listening. If you would like to thank me in return, if you got any value, insights, new perspectives, or you just appreciated this episode or enjoyed this episode, the best way to thank a podcaster is to share with others. Spread the love, spread the magic, take a screenshot of the episode, share it on your Instagram or TikTok stories, and tag me at Emily Ann Brandt so I can personally thank you for tuning in and stay connected. This is truly a community that we are building here, and I love staying in connection with you. I look forward to talking to you again soon, and I'm sending you so much love and gratitude.